Good morning and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today we are continuing our current series, Knowing God, with the title of today's message being the God of yesterday, today, and forever. We hope you enjoy today's word. Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us this morning here at Church at the Bridge. Uh, For those of you joining us online, so glad to be coming into your homes, on your phones, and wherever you're at. Uh, But today, I want to start off with a moment where we just take a time to declare something. And I want you to do this with me. I want you to say this with me and consider the weight of these words. It's a declaration of openness to God's word. And if you are open to God's word, I want you to say this with me. I have a, I have ears to hear. I have eyes to perceive. And I have a heart to receive the living word of God. Now, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. I hope you guys are ready. Today, we are continuing on a series that we've been on over the last several weeks. It's a series on the subject of knowing God. And look, this is an important matter for us. This is an important thing for us to study because in the grand scheme of things, the reason why we study the Bible, why we gather, why we're listening in on this moment, whether you're here or online, should be and is to know God. And I want you to just take a moment to consider what your aim is in this. What's your, what's the reason why you look to the word of God? What's the reason why you're here? What's the reason why you're joining our life? What's the reason why you're seeking after God? Is it for things? Is it to become a better person? Is it to be, to feel better about yourself? Is it to get some direction for some decisions in life? Look, there's nothing wrong with those things, but if that is your intent, In your pursuit of God, you're missing the point. God wants a personal relationship with you. I don't know if you've thought about that. But God wants you to be in personal relationship with him. What does that mean? Not only does God know you, but he wants you to know him. See, God's not into one-sided relationships, right? And so many people approach relationship with God blindly. Now, look, I'm not implying that that's you, but if you see any level of truth and similarity to your life, then I pray that you listen into the word of God today. Many people approach relationship with God blindly. They interpret faith in God to to be the act of hoping that God will bless them, waiting on God to change them, working for God to love them, and looking for God to show up. But let me ask you a question. As it pertains to relationships, does that approach work when it comes to relationships in your life? Just waiting for something to happen? It doesn't. It doesn't. It reminds me of a story I once read. I'm sure I shared it here at some point about two blind pilots. The story goes that there's an airplane full of passengers waiting for their flight to take off. As they watched nervously as two men wearing pilot uniforms and dark glasses used canes to feel their way into the cockpit. Minutes later, the plane starts barreling down the runway, the story goes, and the passengers began to get scared as the water at the end of the airstrip neared at a a rapid pace. And it did not appear that they would have enough room to take off. 
And with only a few yards left, everyone on the plane screamed, believing that the plane was about to barrel into the ocean. But the plane lifted off just in time. The passengers soon settled down, the story goes, and they began laughing in relief as they reasoned among themselves that it was all a joke and the pilots knew exactly what they were doing. Now, here's the kicker. Meanwhile, back in the cockpit, one pilot says to the other, you know, one day they're going to scream too late and we're all going to die. Now, I'm going to tell you why I share that story with you. What's the point of that story? The point of that story is simply this, that God is not interested, nor did he create you to go into relationship with him blindly. He wants you to know him personally. God's not hiding from you. God has given you his word. And more than that, God has given you a manifestation, a revelation of his love and his intent towards you with the sacrifice and the resurrection of Christ. And so today, I'd like to talk to you on the topic of the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Look, we are naturally bent to live and enjoy relationships in the moment. I'll prove it to you. Prove it to you. I guarantee you that at some point in the recent past, or maybe even today, you touched base with someone that you haven't. And man, it felt great to talk to them, to laugh with them, maybe to see them. But then that moment passed. And at that point, while you're still in relationship with that person, the enjoyment of that relationship ceased. Now, get where I'm coming from with this. Track with me here. Because we are naturally bent to live and enjoy relationships in the moment, it's easy to miss an important part, a truth about God's nature, God's character, and God's ways. And it's this. It's God's faithfulness to remain the same. Now, if you think about every relationship you've had, maybe the ones you're in, maybe the ones uh, that you you eventually come to to have at some point, here's one thing you can bank on. People change. Isn't that true? Right? People change, right? For example, isn't it true that the spouse that you married 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 1 year ago, is not exactly the same person you married? Isn't that true? Right? I'll, I'll give you another example. For, for those of you that are parents, don't you find yourself looking back and wishing that your kids were small again when they always ran to you and they always looked for you and they always wanted you and now they're just like, see you later, Gator, right? Or maybe it's just people you've known over the years and those relationships evolve because people change. See, the truth is that in every relationship we've had, people have changed, And the truth is also that we change. Thus, we learn to navigate the challenges that these changes pose. And we have learned to adapt. But there is one relationship that we can truly enjoy and depend on continually. It's a personal relationship with God. I want to start you off with a point here this morning that you can enjoy a true relationship with God Because he remains the same. I'm going to say that again. You can enjoy a personal relationship with God 
Because he remains the same. God is unchanging in his ways, in his approach, in his nature, in his love, in his power, in his faithfulness, in his provision. God is consistent. You can bank on God to be the same towards you always. Listen to James chapter 1, 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, I want you to think about shadows for a moment. Shadows appear as you shift. And I want you to see that what the scripture is declaring is that God does not shift. God does not cast a shadow. You know why? Because he's always in position. He's always good. He's always loving. He's always for you. He'll always be there. You can trust that God will be good to you and will only give you that which is perfect. Because he does not change. Isaiah 40, 28 says this, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens, I'm sorry, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. You ever been there where you grow tired in a relationship? No, certainly not you guys, right? No, never, never, never that. Never you, right? For those of you that are married, I can guarantee you this. You don't wake up every day feeling like, oh, I love him. Oh, how may I serve you, my prince? No, doesn't happen. It changes, right? You got those moments where you go, you know, I love you, but just give me some space, right? Give me some social distance, right? I want you to consider that people grow tired and falter in remaining consistent in relationships. But I want you to consider the weight of the truth in this verse. God doesn't. God does not grow tired. He does not grow weary. He does not faint in his approach, in his consistency, in his relationship to us. He does not grow tired in remaining the same towards you because he is true to his nature. He will always love you and be good to you because he can only be good. Listen, for God to do any differently would be to deny his very character, his person. And so in the book of Acts chapter 3, we have the account of a time when Peter and John were heading into the temple to pray, to worship. And they have an encounter with this man whom God healed. And I know that we've heard this story before. Maybe you've read it before, but I want you to see how God's faithfulness, how God's consistency brought about this great healing. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Starting at verse 1, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. 
And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, herein we find a man whose daily routine consisted of relying upon the pity of people as they entered into the temple and looked upon his crippled state. Right? This man consistently contended with the daily routine of finding a way to get to the temple in hopes that people would be consistent in their pity and their giving towards his needs. And I imagine that while he anticipated someone giving him something every day, here's one thing he couldn't bank on. The same person doing the same every single day. Right? And so on this particular day, the scripture says that as Peter and John are entering the temple, that he asked them for money. He asked them for money as he did everyone else. And the scripture says that Peter and John stopped And the original language says that they looked at him intently. There was an intent there. There was a purpose there. And so they're looking upon him. And the story goes that this guy looks at them with great expectation. But as we read, this guy received something so much better than silver and gold. This guy received an answer from God. And at this point, the scripture tells us as we read that as he looked to them with expectation that Peter says to him, look, I don't have silver and I, have, I don't have gold, but in the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, walk. And he receives a great miracle and he's jumping. And the scripture tells us that he goes into the temple and he's jumping for joy and he's rejoicing and he's praising God. Now, what's interesting is that upon recognizing who he was, the scripture tells us that the people in the temple were filled with wonder and amazement. And it's important for us to know what was going on in them when they saw this man who received this great miracle. The word wonder there means, literally means to be dumbfounded. In other words, what? Like, no way. This is impossible. The word amazement there speaks of being bewildered. It speaks of a displacement of mind. In other words, this doesn't even fit in my rationale. This isn't possible. And so these people were in a state of shock. They questioned, how could this be? This does not make sense. God doesn't work this way. Mind you, they're in church. They're just used to God not working. Well. But the reason why this did not make sense to them was because they had lost sight of God's faithful nature. Let's look to the scriptures for more clarification here. In verses 11 through 16, starting at verse 11, it says that while the man held on to Peter and John and all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. So get this picture. There's a bum rush of people that storm the temple. They're like, wait a minute, what just happened? 
God did what? What, what, what just took place? I have to see this. I have to perceive this. I have to understand this. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to see this for myself. I've got to see if this is true. And so all these people bum rushed this place called Solomon's Colonnade. And the Bible says that when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why are you amazed? Why, why, why is this? Why is this seizing upon your heart to such an extent that you can't believe it, that you have to see it? He says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? He says, now listen closely. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. Now listen, while everyone is in a state of shock and disbelief and looking to Peter and John and wondering, how did these guys do this? Peter points them back to God and he reminds them of his faithfulness towards all men. I want you to notice in verse 13, if we could just put that up, that it says that Peter alludes to them alludes to God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know that until this day in the Jewish culture, that is still an integral part of their prayers daily. They call upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's a reason why. It's a reminder of God's consistent nature to hold true to his promise. To be unchanging. It started with a man named Abraham. And then it transcended into the life of his son Isaac. And then it went on to the life of his grandson, a guy named Jacob. I want you to see in Genesis chapter 12 verses 2 and 3 what God said to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. While this was a promise to Abraham, God had you and me, the entire world in mind. That promise then transcended into the life of his son, Isaac, who lived with great blessing in spite of much opposition. Genesis 26, 24 says this, I am the God of your father. This is God speaking to Isaac. I'm the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bless you and you will increase in the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. And then finally, that same promise trickled into the life of a guy named Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the grandson of Abraham. And it says, and this guy, Jacob, was a guy who lived by the seat of his pants as he continually connived to make his own way through life until he finally came to a place 
of personal encounter with God. Here's the promise that God gave him. Genesis 28 verses 13 through 15. God says this, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land which you are the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And so get this. Let's get back to the story with Peter and this man who was healed. When Peter refers to God in this fashion, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know what he's saying to them? He is telling these people that God has not forsaken them. That God did not forsake this man and that he still is the same God of promise. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to just remind you of something about the nature of God and the God who is in relationship with you. Whether you're in relationship with him or not, he is still good towards you. The Bible says that he reigns on the wicked and on the just. That he provides for all men. And so listen, God is still good. God is still strong. God is still powerful. God is still faithful to you. God is true to his word. You can bank on it. See, this man was not healed by the faith of Peter and John. I want you to be very clear on this because for some people we read this and what we see is, oh, it was because Peter had faith that this man was healed. That's not what the scripture says. I'm going to show you that in a second. This guy wasn't healed either because God pitied him. He was healed because he believed that God remained faithful to provide the Savior that all Israel was erroneously still awaiting for. Look again at Acts chapter 3, verse 16, and consider what the scripture says. This is what Peter says. So mind you, he says, why are you looking at us? We didn't do this. Why are you surprised? As if the lights, the power's off in heaven, Right? He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. Get this. This man hears, I've got something better from you than some money for you to eat today. He hears the name of Jesus, and then something miraculous happens. According to the words of Peter, it was the faith of Jesus that took a hold of his heart, and he stood up, and he jumped up, and he praised, and he walked. Don't tell me you can't when the name of Jesus is still powerful. God still loves you, and God still has the best for you. I'm sorry, I just had to take a moment to thank God, man. Listen, because God is faithful, you can always expect God's best in your life. You know, there's a, there's a problem today in this world, but even in the body of Christ. Christ. 
There are too many people that do not expect God's best. You know what? I speak over my grandson every single day. Every single day, I declare it over him. Every single time. We have pop-pop prayer time. And I declare over him, you are blessed coming in and you are coming out. And I declare over him, wherever you set your foot, God has given it to you. You are blessed and you will be a blessing. You will walk in the goodness of God. You will declare the works of the Lord. You know why? Because my God is faithful. If he could pull me from a pit and lift me up into the palace, into a kingdom as a child in his kingdom, he can do it for you too. Expect God's best. But listen, like this man... You and I, too, must respond correctly to God's unchanging nature. Listen, this man had grown accustomed to living life grounded because of his handicap. It was even his excuse. Now, I know that just rubs some people the wrong way. Amen or oh me, but listen to the word of God. For some of us, that's hard to imagine because... We can't relate to him. We've never been in his condition. We've never been there. Right? But listen, I submit to you that we can all relate. Because while you may not have a, you may not be in a crippled state. You may not have his handicap. We have all been down at some point due to something in life. Now I want us to see what we can learn from this man's response. And the first thing that I want you to see is that you have to reach out and take a hold of God. Let me dig dig into that a little bit more. You have to reach out and take a hold of God's faithfulness. You got to hold on to that. This man had a great need, as we saw. One that exceeded his need to walk. This guy needed God. He needed Jesus. And so upon asking for the bare minimum, could you just... Give me some money so I can eat. Can I just take a a rabbit trail there for a moment and just say to you, ask big. Ask big. Believe big. What, what, What would your life look like if you asked according to the size of your God? And so this guy asked for the bare minimum and and Peter tells him about something so much better. He declares to him the power of the name of Jesus and more than just the power of the name of Jesus, the power of the finished work of Jesus. And he tells him to get up and walk. Now we have to pay careful attention though to what happens next. Because the Bible specifically tells us, God tells us, he points this out for us, that Peter extends his hand out to him. For what purpose? To get up. To pull him up. Listen, listen, listen to this. Peter comes in the name of Jesus. And he says, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Christ of the risen one. Get up and walk. And then he extends his hand to him. But this guy had to take a hold of his hand. And more than that, 
he had to begin to put into use something he had never used before. His legs. Could it be that the very reason why you maybe haven't moved in an area in your life is because you have not used the very thing that you've been excusing as your inability, as your handicap? Could it be that God still extending his hand and saying, get up, baby. Come on, son. Let's go somewhere. Let's do something different. Let's go for something great. Well, that's, that's not my character. You know, I'm just this very, very quiet, very passive person. I'm going to offend somebody right now, but get your thumb out your mouth. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. What part of we walk by faith don't we get? We walk. We don't lay down. If you're offended, you already said you love me, so I ain't worried about it. Call me. Shoot me an email. We'll talk about it. My mandate from God is to give you the uncompromised word of God that you would take it and you would grow up and you would take a hold of God and you would know God personally. You know, this is a powerful depiction of the relationship that all men have available with God. God is unchanging, but we must undertake the change that leads us to reach out and accept his help and his power. Listen to Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16, it says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hold on to that. Grab a hold of that. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were. And yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Watch this. You have to approach the throne. With confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The help you need is already provided. Will you take a hold of a faithful God and get going to places? The the second thing I want to leave you with here today is that your failures don't disqualify you from God's faithfulness. Listen closely. Think about this. God not only extended healing to this crippled beggar. He also wanted to reach the very people who witnessed the miracle. Now get this. Jesus. Crucified. And the scriptures tell us that Peter is talking to some of the very same people who said, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. They didn't deserve God's goodness. Neither did we. But thank God that he remains true to who he is towards all men. I can understand why so many people today don't turn to God when they make mistakes, when they fail. It's because we feel shame. It's because we wrestle with guilt. It's because we feel we've let God down. But it's also because we've forgotten God's faithful nature. 
The scriptures declare that God is unwilling that any man perish, but that all would come to repentance, that all would come to a relationship with him. Listen, you may make mistakes, but you can't undo what God has already done. He's provided you a way. He loves you. The last point that I want to leave you with here today is simply this, according to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 13. Turn with me there, if you will. It says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Watch this, for he cannot deny himself. Listen, from your perspective, failing makes you a failure. But from God's perspective, failing makes you qualified for his faithfulness. I'm going to say that again. From your perspective, from my perspective, from our perspective, if we're not careful, failing makes us a failure. But from God's perspective, even when you fail, you're still qualified for his faithfulness. About three of you got that. You know, I remember, you know, I don't have time. I'm sorry. I don't have time. No, the last thing I want to leave you with here today is simply this. That like this man, you have sufficient reason to turn to God and God. Sufficient reason. That this man went public with his worship. Everyone had to know about the goodness of God towards him. He jumped for joy. He leaped. He ran. He worshiped God openly. Listen, maybe you weren't crippled like this man, but I ask you, what kept you down before Christ came into your life? Was it addiction? Was it a control by way of religion? Was it low self-esteem? Was it bitterness? Was it a dysfunctional upbringing? Was it pride? Was it the pursuit of possessions? Whatever your piece of the pie was before Christ, whatever it was that once kept you down in life, remember that you now have freedom in Christ. This man looked upon his state and he says, I can now walk. I can now jump. I can now run. I can now reap. I can now worship. Listen, he took, he beheld what God had done and he worshiped God. As we stand here in your homes today, as we close, I need you to consider this simple and yet life changing truth. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can count on him. With every heart inclined to God. With ears open and eyes perceiving the truth today. I beg you to get back to this place of life-changing truth. God, you are the same towards me. And I can trust you right there where you are go ahead and take a moment just just reflect to meditate to appreciate the faithfulness of god in your life
to thank God, to worship God, to lift your heart to God. To make a decision to never cast aside that truth. It's very possible that there's someone here today or maybe you're joining us online. And today what you're thinking about is, man, I've been unfaithful. I've never even really thought about God. Maybe I've been begging. Maybe I haven't been crippled, but I've been seeking something else in life as my solution. But you see a need for God. I want you with this picture. God's hand is extended towards you. And he's saying, take a hold of me. And let's get up. Let's walk. Let's let's run. Let's go to new places. That's you today and you see a need for God. Pray this with us right here. It's a prayer of faith. It's the same thing that this guy understood that day. That Jesus was not only the one who died, but that he rose again and he did that for all mankind. Why? Because he loves us. Why? Because without him, we can't do it on our own. You might get up, but you will stumble again. But with God, even when you fall, even when you're down, you're still up. And so today, let's pray this prayer. Join us wherever you are online right here. And I I want you to do something. Don't just pray this, but let us know of the decision that you've made. Message us online. Private message us if that's what you want to do. Send us a letter. Let us know before you leave this building. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. For me. Because you love me. And this day, I declare, you are my Savior, you are my Lord, you are my God, and I trust your faithfulness.